Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Best Phone Plans Podcast. This is episode 35. Joining us today, we have special guest, Dennis. Dennis, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Although, I'm more of the co-host, not a guest. <laughs> <laughs> that is 100% accurate, Dennis. Uh, so, we have co-host Dennis with us today, as always. I mean, Dennis here from the start. Love to see it. Today, we've got a pretty exciting show planned out for you. We're touching on some T-Mobile news, some updates on their network shutdown schedule, uh, what they're doing with their fixed wireless. We've got some interesting news coming from, uh, what is it? Is it? It's Lumen, which is actually uh, CenturyLink. And we've got some uh, interesting stuff going on. Some updates to Mint Mobile Security, Cricket Wireless partnering with Acorn, and some other uh, news nuggets we're going to touch on. So, uh, Dennis, should we uh, dive right into this? Yeah, let's go ahead. Well, I think we should kind of just like knock out some of the uh, T-Mobile news first. Uh, this is pretty simple, self-explanatory stuff you should know about. Uh, T-Mobile has confirmed it will be shutting down the legacy Sprint 4G LTE network by June 30th, 2022. So that's going to be just under a year at this point. Uh, and if you are somehow, if you've made it this far as a Sprint customer, you will get a new SIM card and or have the opportunity to get a phone that is compatible with T-Mobile's own network. And T-Mobile will let you know about that. Uh, so, yeah, kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're showing down. They're shutting it down, moving on with things. And they're also shutting down their 2G and 3G networks. And I think that's also slated for a 2022 uh, timeline there. So, uh, and we actually, a good question from Insane Fire 10 uh, YouTube. What about Sprint MVNOs? Uh, same kind of deal. Those, all MVNOs at this point probably should have been migrated over to the T Mobile network. And if they have not, then they will be migrated over as well. So, yeah. <clears throat> either one of two outcomes either they're either on the T Mobile network already or they were uh, under the Dish umbrella, like how Ting got acquired. Yep, yep, 100%. So that's uh, T-Mobile Network. Uh, I want to touch on T-Mobile Fixed Wireless. We had some interesting news going on with that where uh, they are, of course, making T-Mobile Home Internet as widely available as possible. And uh, we actually saw a price drop recently, right, Dennis? Correct. So, well, basically what happened was T-Mobile tried to actually raise the price of the T-Mobile Home Internet-based product to $60. Uh, but Timo has now decided to reduce the cost back to the original fifty dollars that they kind of did at launch, which uh, I'm super excited about. Uh, I think that's a much more reasonable price for the product that they're offering. Uh, actually, in fact, um, hot take: I actually feel like fifty dollars might even be too expensive, especially if you're a T-Mobile customer. I actually think that they should charge even less. For their you think they should bundle it in, like do what yeah. Verizon's doing? Where what what would an approach? All right, well, first, what is Verizon doing? Verizon is if you're a Verizon customer on a Verizon wireless plan, they will discount your Verizon wireless internet, whether Verizon home internet 4G or the 5G one. They'll discount it by I think it's twenty dollars. I'm pretty sure the price drops from like I know it goes as low from as like seventy to fifty. Seventy to fifty, and I think it's from like. 60 to 40 for the 4g one so dennis what do you think t-mobile should do what should their pricing structure be for existing t-mobile customers yeah so if it's standalone 50 bucks but if you're an existing team 
T-Mobile customer adding this onto your to your like package, uh, I think it should be like thirty dollars. Uh, because realistically speaking, the T-Mobile internet, it's really not that much. I mean, I know the use case is different, but it's not that different than adding on a line or something like that. And it's deprioritized out the gate, so they're just selling excess spectrum and bandwidth that they had to begin with. You know what I mean? Right. And right. and the reason why I kind of sit on this $30 number is because that's sort of the entry price that companies like Comcast and Big Cable have for their entry like level internet plans. Yeah. And since T-Mobile wants to try to compete to a certain extent in these like suburbs against them, they have to be price competitive for the performance that they're able to offer. And since they can't win on a performance standpoint, um, well, I'll say it this way. In very rare exceptions, might they be able to win on a performance standpoint? They have to compete on price. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I, I think I could see them doing maybe $40, just like a $10 discount on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, 30 just feels super, super low for what's essentially like a truly unlimited home internet replacement, but yeah, it would but... be, it would be like aggressive, you know, and you'd have to get, you'd get people on their network anyway. Yeah. But I mean, we've seen Comcast sell 200 megabit per second internet for 35 bucks with a two year price lock, like not that long ago. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, and actually, there was an interesting article from Fierce Wireless talking about sort of the two key market categories that T-Mobile is targeting. Dennis, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on these. Uh, the two categories are offering a inexpensive alternative slash replacement to cable internet. And this is going to be emphasized in rural and small town areas that need new options available to them. And the second target would be in markets with limited competition uh, but only one good high-speed option. So it sounds like T-Mobile would be competing as a secondary high-speed alternative, leveraging their N41 connectivity. What do you think about these uh, two key markets, Dennis? I think that's pretty spot on and uh, probably the only way that T-Mobile actually gets business because let's be real here. When T-Mobile sends out the flyers to my new neighborhood where there's Fios and Comcast, no one in their right mind is going to pick T-Mobile's home internet. Like, I mean, no, seriously. Like, I'm not trying to be funny. Like, why would you pick T-Mobile home internet at fifty dollars when Fios can give you 200, 200 by two hundred two hundred symmetrical, which is over provision to three hundred for forty? And then in the same vein, even if you did have a, a bone to pick with Fios for X, Y, and Z reasons, you have Comcast over here, door to door salesmen offering you gigabit for like seventy bucks with like a visa card and all these other like perks like why would you pick the t-mobile product you know yeah yeah i think you're right dennis i mean t-mobile is a great option for a selection of people in those rural areas and i think they're going to compete really well but as you mentioned if you have basically more than one high-speed internet provider there's really no reason to kind of go with t-mobile like you're probably going to get a better option and a better experience going with one of the uh just hardwired connection into your home so, I don't know. Anything else you want to touch on with T-Mobile? Anything else that's been uh, perusing the interwebs yeah, let's the talk Magenta fam? Let's talk about N41. Yeah, what's what's going on with N41, Dennis? So, as the man, the myth, the legend that's in the chat right now, Sneed Mobile Tech, has talked about, N41 has had some coverage issues around hospitals and things like that due to interference. Um, but T-Mobile has been working on improving that 
recently, which okay. is super exciting. So it, it, it sounds like based on the frequency they were using for their spectrum, it was interfering near hospitals based on the equipment that hospitals were using. Is that correct? Yeah, with hospitals as well as some churches that had like similar spectrum, it was causing like interference, which was reducing got the it, performance. Got it. Yeah. But uh, basically, T-Mobile's actually working on addressing that, which is exciting. And I'm really happy about that because, as I've talked about many times, I haven't seen really the uh, the fruits of what N41 could do like you can. Yeah, yeah, it. you're missing out, Dennis. The fruit is ripe here in Longmont, Colorado, and you're looking at a desert oasis in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania right now. Also, I just want to clarify one thing real quick because I see a lot of comments in the chat. I am aware that fixed wireless is definitely a role play. That uh, short little segment, just to clarify for everyone, was me saying that T-Mobile is taking the right approach in going for rural and for places that have one option. I was using my market as an example of why they shouldn't be trying to market to people like myself. But that being said, let's move on from the T-Mobile topic. What do you got? Uh, what do you got up next for me, uh, Stetson? Uh, I think we should do one kind of lighter topic and then dive into sort of a, a meatier topic, which I think would be the. Uh, Lumen story, but one quick light update I wanted to provide is actually from Mint Mobile. This was posted literally two hours ago, so very, very recently today. Um, and this is an update to kind of the security issues that have been going on. I wanted you all to be aware of this. Uh, you can now set up a pin uh, or request a security pin from Mint Mobile. So what you do is you call the customer care team and you can request to have a pin security added to your account. And with this feature active, Mint will text you from their 6700 number with a six digit secure pin, which will be asked to be read back by the customer care agent so they can verify your enrollment. And then when you go to make changes in the future, they will generate a new random six digit secure pin in the future and have you verify that uh, just to kind of provide a little bit more uh, security to your account before any changes are made to prevent, you know, SIM swapping tactics and things like that. So I'm really happy to see this and just kind of a quick update for those who were expressing concern over Mint security and I guess the T-Mobile network security in general. Uh, really nice to see Mint Mobile implementing that feature. I am also really excited. The only thing I wish is that it was opt-in and it didn't require the customer to call in. I wish it would take sort of a AT&T approach where they already have a random number generated on the account. And whenever the customer calls in, they just do the whole little texting and they can change it to whatever they want it to be type of deal. Yep, yep. I, my guess is that Mint is still trying to figure out how to roll this out as best as possible. Um, and they did mention in the post on Reddit, which I posted in the live chat, that they are working on integrating support for Google Authenticator and Authy or uh, uh, you know other authentication apps as opposed to the SMS-based authentication. But um, yeah, that's just a quick little update. I think it's good news for Mint, good news for Mint customers, and uh, a good segue for us to move on to the next topic, uh, which Dennis, you found this one. Uh, and it's, I think it's a pretty big story, or I don't know if it's big, but it's definitely got some big numbers in it. And this is Lumen, AKA CenturyLink, is selling their copper network assets. So Dennis, what's going on here? What do we need to know about Lumen's uh, strategy here? Yeah, so basically Lumen, or as you guys would know them better, CenturyLink, since that's the customer facing side of things, 
uh, is selling off their old DSL lines in like 20 states, basically, where they where they were providing service to primarily rural communities to a uh, investment firm, I believe Apollo, if memory serves me correctly. That is correct. It is Apollo. Yeah. Um, and this is honestly just terrible. This is a really? terrible. Oh, absolutely. This is this is literally one of the worst things to happen in the United States for internet. Because here's the scoops that's in. Yeah. Can these these investment firms. Okay. Yeah. They buy up these assets, not to improve them, but to milk them for profit. They literally buy these failing companies, milk it for as much as they can until it's a husk of what it used to be. And they just go, they either file for bankruptcy, saddle it with a ton of debt, and then sell it off to something else, or call and just call it a day. Like they're not going to be improving this like at all. So basically, tons of Americans are going to be left behind even further in this digital divide. And all the while, CenturyLink is going to be laughing their, their happy selves all the way to the bank as they continue to take the money that they get from this sale and just pour it into these urban areas where it's highly profitable for it's them more to profitable deploy fiber. For their development. Yeah, so it looks like uh, it looks like twenty businesses in 20 states, including consumers, small businesses, wholesale, and copper-served enterprise customers and assets – uh, are being purchased by Apollo from CenturyLink. And this is expected to close in the second half of 2022. And the deal is for, I think it's for $7.5 billion. Wow. So, that's, yeah, you think it's a bad bad move because we're going to see uh, this kind of fizzle out and die. I mean, what, what do you think is going to happen with those existing customers? Like, is their service going to remain active? Or do you think... I mean, I think they're... Ser- their service is definitely going to remain active, but it's going to be one of those situations where, like, we're not going to see things get, like, maintained and repaired. Like, it's just Got going it. to be, like, Got it. like here it is almost – almost. I'll put it to you this way. It'll be almost akin to, like, what AT&T U-verse was doing with their DSL service. We're, like, we're not going to be adding on any more customers. Like, we'll keep who we have, but, like, we're not going to go out of our way to expand or do anything else like that. Same thing is going to happen with these customers that are kind of, like, transitioned to be managed by Apollo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and if you actually look, um, Stetson, at the link that I'm about to just send you now, which is the article I originally sent you, you'll see in the comments that a lot of the people on that Ars Technica uh, article feel the same way uh, that I do about this. And what makes it even worse, Stetson, yeah, is that we, the taxpayers, paid CenturyLink to deploy these networks. Okay? Yeah. So CenturyLink is continuing to take broadband money and didn't meet their end of the bargain. So my hope, which I I know it's very unlikely that it's going to happen, but my hope is that the government actually steps in and stops CenturyLink from making the sale. I get why CenturyLink's doing it. It makes perfectly good rational business sense. Sell it off now while it has some money uh, before real competition comes in because they didn't do their job and maintain the network. Yeah. But ultimately... I think CenturyLink has a responsibility to actually expand the fiber out to these customers in their footprint because they took government money to deploy broadband and they did not do that. I agree, Dennis. I really wish these kinds of situations would be handled better. Like I want to see people in more rural communities uh, and across the United States get access to high-speed internet 
Uh, it definitely sounds like, you know, from your perspective on this transaction that what's happening here is the section of CenturyLink or I guess Lumen's network that is being sold off to Apollo will kind of exist, continue to operate and then kind of fizzle out as the network may need to be repaired and Apollo probably won't be dumping too much money into it to sort of revitalize it, it sounds like. Basically, history is repeating itself. It's like what happened with Frontier, if you remember that a little bit ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, so uh, definitely a bummer. I mean, what do you think would be other good options uh, for these customers? I mean, we talked about T-Mobile Home Internet. Do you think something like Starlink could be an option? Or is it really just like you keep what you've got until it doesn't work anymore? I mean, best case scenario is you get Starlink... And then, all right, so you know how in my place I have two ISPs, right, Stetson? I have, I like, failover. Yes. yes. Best case scenario is you get Starlink, and you make that, like, your main connection for basically anything that can be forgiving if there's a disconnect that happens here or there since the constellation isn't, like, thoroughly set up in, like, a 100% manner. But, you know, you got your streaming service and all that good stuff using the bandwidth of Starlink, right? And then the CenturyLink connection, which let's say it's 3 megabits per second, nothing crazy you have is like a secondary connection where things like your VoIP phones for Wi-Fi calling or if you use um, Magic Jack or anything like that, right, that requires VoIP, runs over that DSL line. Or maybe it's your work from home. Just try to keep that connection as uncongested as possible since the DSL connection, although incredibly slow, um, is a little or should be a little bit more reliable than the satellite just because Starlink doesn't have all the satellites up yet where they need to be yet. You know, it's still kind of in beta. Right, right. Um, Ultimately, if T-Mobile Home Internet is an option, which I doubt at this point, but if it is, would be infinitely better than CenturyLink's DSL. Um, Honestly, again, if you look at the comments on that Ars Technica article, uh, anything, in my opinion, is better than CenturyLink. (laughs) Um, Dude... CenturyLink is one of those companies where they make – I'm trying to think of someone that's, like, worse. They make Viasat and HughesNet look like like angels, okay? Oh, my gosh. Like that's Centru- saying a lot. That is saying a lot. Listen, CenturyLink is not not good. Like, if you live in a place where CenturyLink fiber exists, which would be under the Lumen branding typically, it's great. It's fiber. But if it's CenturyLink DSL, it's real, real bad. Like – Frontier, CenturyLink, and Verizon DSL service, they're all equally bad. Got it. Got it. Uh, well, I guess I did have a quick nugget to throw in here on Starlink, um, which I think was interesting. And so Ookla, of course, I'm sure you know it. It is the speed test site, the speed test website. It's that infamous odometer, I guess you would call it, or a speedometer of people running speed tests. And they are collecting results on Starlink. And they have reported recently that Starlink's speeds have actually increased. So, uh, Ookla's data for quarter two 2021 found that Starlink's median download speeds in the U.S. climbed all the way up to 97.23 megabits per second, up from a median of 65.72 megabits per second in Q1 2021. So, already we're seeing an increase of 30 megabits per second. Uh, for the median, which I think is great, Dennis. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, Starlink is um, 
especially promising for those rural parts of America. Uh, and when I talk rural, I'm talking like think like Appalachian Mountains and like Virginia type of deal. Like that's definitely going to be answered for those people. Uh, and the only thing that sort of holds it back to a certain degree, though, is the cost. Oh, 100 um, percent. It's expensive. It is very expensive. Like, like I understand why it's the cost that it is. Like, I'm not like foolish or anything like that. <clears throat> it's just the problem is that the people that we're trying to target that are in these underserved communities that live in rural America do not make, you know, Pittsburgh money. They don't make yeah. California money, right? Like your average, like if we look at my hometown, I almost said it, but if we look at my hometown, okay, yeah. The average income of that town for a household was like less than twenty five thousand. Wow, wow, right? Yeah. So five hundred bucks for an upfront like startup cost, that's big money. It's like, huge money. And then a hundred dollars a month on top of it. I mean, you're looking at basically for your first year of service seventeen hundred dollars. Right, which basically just ate up the whole entire like everything you make, and that's not even start talking about rent and stuff like that, right? So like. We got to figure out a way to get that cost down some way. Like that's going to hoping gonna... as they grow and climb in users, they might be able to do that. And I mean, do you think they'll implement speed tiers as a way to try and introduce more pricing and stuff? I mean, that would be I, I wish they would. I, I don't know if they will, but I think that would be good um if they could. Yeah. Um, yeah, do something like I don't know, 25 by 25 or like uh, even a lower like 10 by 10 or something. Well, they're um, not going to do symmetrical because Starlink is not. Yeah, symmetrical. you're right. Good call. Good call. Um, But but uh, that or like um, maybe like the government could come in and, and have like a, a like an air program or something. Yeah, like an Internet Essentials plan where it's 25 by three, whatever the the government decides the minimum, say, yeah. a minimum broadband is. And and it's like, I don't know. 20 bucks you right, know 20 right. bucks a month you know there you go there's your low cost option you know what i mean absolutely yeah i agree with you i think that'd be great um so that's what i got for that Des, where are we where are we heading next where are we heading next um well i say we talk about did we already just blow through all the topics yeah, we might have actually covered everything. I mean, the only one that I also had was uh, Cricket partnering with Acorns. <laughs> I don't know. This is kind of funny to me, but uh, have you heard of this? Do you no. know what? Do you know what Acorns is? No, hit me. So Acorns, I'm pretty sure it's a it's a saving and investment app. And uh, the new partnership says that Cricket customers who sign up for a new Acorns account and invest five dollars will receive a ten dollar investment bonus in their Acorns investing account. And for every, this is kind of interesting, for every month that subscribers pay their phone bills, Cricket will invest an additional $1 into their customer's Acorns account. Um, and then on the flip side, Acorns customers who switch to Cricket Wireless will receive a $200 investment bonus. So it's kind of a tighter partnership between these two services, trying to boost growth and um, boost some... Uh, new numbers so i mean that's that's pretty much all the news i feel like kind of a slow week and uh yeah dennis i mean should we kind of wrap this podcast up or should we go right into the uh after show here 
I say we just turn this right into like after show content and just make right. it one big long thing because honestly, people can rewatch it and they'll like it that way. Sure, sure. And uh, editor Stetson, cut the podcast here. <laughs>